Welcome to the Memory Hole Show, where we talk about controversial ideas, unacceptable views, and pry through the madness. This is episode 25. Man, oh man, I can't believe I've already hit 25 episodes. It's really tough getting a podcast off the ground, you know, to find listeners, to grow the show. It's only with people like you that are listening right now that, you know, you tell your friends, you use those share links from the show notes at memoryholeshow.com. Those people that join me on Twitter at Memory Hole Show, you are the people that are growing this show. Hats off to you for helping my voice get heard and helping the counter-narrative ideas stay alive. Thanks, everyone. So last week I talked about how Michael Schellenberger used to push renewables to fight climate change, but then he realized that renewables are very limited in what they can do. This week I talk about another element to that climate change fight, EVs. EVs are boasted as the wave of the future to fight climate change, but are EVs actually green? Well, stay tuned to find out. And now, on to the show. Last week I spoke about the misguided efforts by governments to use renewables to fight climate change. This week I take a look at another interesting video that challenges the green narrative around EVs. Namely, are EVs actually green? For a while, I wondered why EVs were considered green. I understand that while they're driving on the road, they aren't emitting CO2. But those batteries, they don't magically charge themselves. Which raised the question, what is the source of energy that charges the batteries in EVs? Usually it's a mixture of different kinds of energy sources, coal, nuclear, wind, solar, etc. So to say they're emissions free is a bit of a misnomer. Perhaps they pollute less, it's possible. But what about the production cycle to make EVs compared to internal combustion engine vehicles? Well, for the most part, the process is the same. The big difference is the battery in the EV. Those do require a bit more pollution to get those rare elements. Plus, a great deal of water is apparently used in the process to create the batteries. And then, of course, what do you do with ICE cars versus EVs when they're no longer needed? The narrative doesn't seem to address these details. Or put another way, EVs are portrayed as carbon emissions free when they actually aren't. Keeping these details in mind, I saw this video by Graham Conway the other day doing a TED talk. He spoke about many of these details that I had thought about, which was great, but he also added a bunch of other details I hadn't considered. Kind of had a really refined way of looking at it. Check out the show notes on memoryholeshow.com for the video of Graham. It's worth the watch, but while you're listening, here are some ideas that I really liked from the video. Graham takes the interesting perspective that is needed when comparing ICE cars to EV cars. He makes an apples to apples comparison. One of the problems Graham talks about is how the car manufacturing industry defines CO2 free. It would almost be like saying that a cigarette isn't bad for you, but then fail to mention if you don't smoke it. The way the industry measures vehicle emissions is by measuring only what comes out of the tailpipe. Ice cars have those, but EVs don't. Therefore, ice cars emit CO2 and EVs don't. But this way of measuring excludes the entire life cycle of the car. So as you can see, this is a sleight of hand way to measure emissions. Now, as we know, ice cars use gas that comes from oil, which when it's burned, it emits CO2. But where does an EV get its power from? Well, the grid, of course. But where does the grid get its power? Well, as Graham points out, globally, 67% of energy comes from carbon-emitting sources. So 
when you're charging your EV, it actually does emit CO2. The biggest difference, of course, is where the pollution is being emitted. Where the emission occurs, whether locally or elsewhere, is debatable as to whether it's a good thing or not. The next thing that Graham brings up is his really nice diagram that compares the, pretty much the life cycle of an ICE car to an EV car, but in a little more detail. Note that the energy used in either types of cars causes emissions using today's energy mix. The other thing to consider is how much emissions it took to bring the car to the showroom. Cars have to be built. They don't magically appear out of nowhere. This process takes raw materials out of the ground, which emits CO2, but to build the batteries is an extra process that ICE cars don't have to go through. And batteries need materials that are much harder to get to and require a great deal more energy to put together into battery cells. As Graham shows in his slide, an ICE car will drive for about 180,000 miles during its life. That will emit about 30 tons of CO2. The EV, on the other hand, due to the current energy sources, will emit about half of that, around 15 tons. So that looks good for the EV as a vehicle emitting less CO2, of course. But that's not all. Graham also includes the production phase of the car. The production cycle, you know, the phase to make the car, well, that means the car shows up to the showroom with a carbon footprint. So for the ICE car, that would be about 6 tons, and for the EV, that would be about 12 tons. The higher startup footprint of the EV is because of the battery, of course. So by comparison, the EV would have to drive around 80 to 90,000 miles before it was emitting less than the ICE car. Okay, so at least there's an advantage to the electric vehicle after around 80 to 90,000 miles. It'll emit less CO2 after that, right? Well, there's another detail that Graham didn't point out earlier. The ICE car in his example has a 400 mile range. The EV on the other hand that he used in this example, well, that one only has a range of 125 miles. So in order to compare apples to apples, you would need a bigger battery for the EV. To get a battery that goes 400 miles, you need a bigger production cycle carbon footprint. So instead of the battery producing 12 tons of CO2 for the 125 mile battery, it would produce over 25 tons to build. So here's the problem. At this point, the crossover where the EV emits less than the ICE car is longer than the lifespan of the car itself. They simply don't cross over before 180,000 miles, meaning the ICE car emits less than the EV when you factor in the entire production cycle of making the car plus the energy used to make the car move. As I mentioned last week, you also have to dispose of the battery after you use it as well. And that's kind of nasty. Graham is hopeful, however, as the grid becomes less CO2 dependent, meaning as it becomes more nuclear, since renewables simply aren't up to the task, EVs will emit less from the charging process. Now, of course, there is more information in the video, and I suggest you drop by memoryholeshow.com to see the video. I've linked it in the show notes. It's quite interesting and refreshing to see someone have an honest conversation on a TED Talk, especially when it challenges the official green narrative. As I mentioned last week, you first have to define the problem, but then you have to create solutions that solve the actual problem. EVs don't solve CO2 emissions, and neither do solar and wind as we saw last week. To solve carbon emissions, we need nuclear. There is no other source of energy that is currently reliable, plentiful, scalable, and emissions-free, except nuclear. I recommend you check out the video from Graham Conway outlining the actual emissions for EVs. It's quite fascinating. Head on over to memoryholeshow.com to read the show notes and to see the video. And while you're there, scroll down to the bottom of the show notes and do me a favor, click that little like button. 
leave a comment, join me on this weekly ride. And before I go, I have a question. Before hearing this episode, would you have guessed that EVs emit more than ICE cars? I certainly didn't. That is some damn fine marketing right there. Anyways, leave comments on Twitter at Memory Hall Show and don't forget to visit MemoryHallShow.com. I put this together for all of you. Don't make my efforts be in vain. Join the conversation and unsilence yourselves and don't forget, speak up or you'll get memory hold. All content from MemoryHoleShow.com and the Memory Hole Show is for the purpose of entertainment and is presented solely as opinion.